For 2016, we've talked about some things that are important, beginning to realize the importance of your conversation with God daily and regularly. And the also, I want to change just a little focus and go to something we need to look at for this year is how we can share our faith, our story with people around us in this new year. Because the days are evil. I believe the coming of the Lord is close, and I think people need to hear the good news of grace and mercy and forgiveness and a new life. So we all need to be a part of that. And I think what's important, we come to terms of making commitment to that. We are doing faith differently because cultures change, and we're having to figure out how to do that more effectively. We're doing it more of a rotation basis, and we'll be talking about that next week a little more. But I want each of us to realize we all have a part in sharing our story. The responsibility is real. The opportunity is amazing just to share your story. I want to talk about the day from, from worst to best uh, with the understanding that we are not that good. God is just that great. We are not that good. That's a foundational reality in faith that brings you to Christ. We're not that good, but God is that great. Sometimes that's kind of hard for us to uh, verbalize. I'm not that good. No, you're not that good. Matter of fact, I want you to say it with me. I'm not that good. Okay, now say it with conviction. I'm not that good. <laughs> there you go. We're not that good. I know we kind of go, I'm, I'm not that good, but maybe not that bad. No, no, you're not that good. But God is that great. That's what's real important. So look at this verse with me. Every, and I, but I want you to look at this point first, this thought I want to share with you. Every believer is a miracle of grace receiving eternal life through faith. Every believer is a miracle because we're not that good. It's a miracle that God would save us. Actually, it's a miracle that God would want to save us. But he loves us. And he's just a great heart's desire, his character is, I want to change your life. I don't want to leave you where you are. So every believer is a miracle of grace. And the miracle is we receive eternal life through this thing called faith. Not through works, not through reputation, not through achievement, but through faith. Here's what Paul says to his son in the ministry. Chapter 1. Verse 15, this is a trustworthy saying, meaning this is an absolute truth. You can take it to the bank. It's worth, it's trustworthy. It's out, you can put all your trust in it. You can, you can take it for what it's worth. And everyone, listen to what I'm this is a trustworthy saying. Okay, the gospel is truth, what he's about to say. And everyone should accept it. It's also a universal truth. It's, it's true for everyone. Here's what he says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The purpose of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth, becoming a servant and a sacrifice on the cross, was to save sinners. And guess what? We are all sinners. We are not that good. God is that great. You see, we are, we are sinners, meaning what does it mean to be a sinner? Because we kind of think sinners are really, really bad people. 
uh, they, they got, they're just really bad. And, and I'm not that bad, Pastor. I, don't, I try real hard. I try to practice the golden rule and do good things. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I get all that. But we're all sinners because we're born with something missing inside of us. It's God's life. And it's an emptiness that only he can fill. But we go through life trying to figure out how to fill it. Sometimes being very religious or very good. Sometimes being very, very bad. But the problem is no matter what we try to fill it with, it isn't good enough. And therefore, we are not good. We're sinners. Something's missing because something's missing. We don't have the ability to please God or to satisfy God's expectations. We can't do it on our own. We don't have the resources and the truth is, in our inners, we really don't want to most of the time. So, he said, he come to the world to save sinners. Now, I love this. And I am the worst of them all. That's the attitude we got to have. I'm the worst sinner that's ever been. You're the worst sinner that's ever been. Paul said, you know, I was the worst that could be. Yeah, I was awful. And, and I, so the miracle is that God would come uh, to our rescue, sending his son to die on a cross for our sin to save us from our emptiness and our, our condition of sin that separates us from him. Merciful, merciful forgiveness does not originate in us, guys. It begins with God and his character. It doesn't start inside me. I don't have the capacity for that. Matter of fact, I have the opposite problem. I tend to run from that. I tend to sabotage that in my own nature. I don't seek God first. He seeks me first. I can't create forgiveness for my sin inside what I do or how I would compensate. I have to trust him and his character to do it with a miraculous act of grace and love. Because that's, that's how God acts. The amazing thing, Paul understood that God in his mercy did not give Paul what he deserved. We know what all Paul did. Formerly Saul of Tarsus. He was a persecutor of the saints. He was uh, uh, responsible for the stoning of Stephen. He was mean, cruel, vicious, but he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was very well educated. He was in, in his peers, he was esteemed very highly as being godly. But in the eyes of God, he was a sinner trying to fill the void with religion. And so Paul says, I was the worst that could be. And, and, and so I, I understand that. God in his mercy did not give Paul what he deserved, which would be death. Instead, God in his grace gave Paul what he did not deserve which was forgiveness and eternal life, a new beginning. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I, and I, I guess all of them are favorites because they're just all so good, but this one reminds me of this profound truth. Two guys went in the temple one day. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee walks into the temple looks behind him and sees the tax collector. He didn't like him. Matter of fact, he probably hated him. And, he's, and, he's, and he sees the tax collector and he's somewhat indignant that he would even show up. So he says in his prayer to God, Oh God, I am so thankful I am not 
like this tax collector. I don't sin like he sins. I, I, I don't do the things he does. I, I, I am not like him. And I'm so thankful I'm not like him. I'm a better person than he is. I've done better things than he's done. That's the paraphrase of Luke 18. No. Okay. And, and, and then the, the, the tax collector doesn't even lift his head up. Bows in great humility and shame. Says, God, I'm a sinner. I'm such a bad person. I've broken all the laws. I've taken advantage of people. I've done so many things wrong. Forgive me. Now, he told an amazing story to the Jews who were listening, many of them Pharisees. And he said, which one do you think left justified that day? What a question. What are the Pharisees? It's obvious. Oh, it's one of our guys, the guy that did the good stuff, man, the guy who wasn't a tax collector, who wasn't uh, a, a rule breaker and a, and a sinner, man. He was, you know, we know the guy, the Pharisee. They're thinking that. They're not saying it out loud. They're thinking that. The Pharisee. Man, he's at church every, every week, and he's doing what he's supposed to do, and he's wearing Bible verses on his clothes. Man, he's got to be, you know. And, and, and Jesus said, I'm telling you who left justified that day, who left right with God. Okay? The tax collector. You see, the truth is, in our, in our minds, sometimes in our culture, we, we don't see things that way. We really, while we understand the gospel is for everybody and it's for sinners, we kind of think some sinners are better than others. Some sinners may be more deserving than others. We, 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 we tend, to, tend to think we, we kind of, God found favor, uh, God showed his favor to us because we were not as bad as others sometimes are. And that's not true. We're the worst. We are absolutely the worst. Every one of us is the worst we could possibly be. You say, but Tim, I've not done that many bad things. If, it, if you were allowed to function with your appetite without any restraint, we are capable of doing anything that anybody else would do. It's in us. Sometimes we're guarded with good parenting or good rules, and we sometimes comply, but the truth is our heart is exceedingly wicked. And we choose to do that which self-gratifies rather than glorifies God. And so he said, I, 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 Paul said, I was the worst. And, 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 and um, I was horrible. Trying to keep the law, I, I missed the law. When we understand that we don't deserve God's grace, we are now in a position to experience God's grace. We, we tend to think, well, you know, I, I grew up in church. That's why God saved me. No, he saved me because you're a sinner. I grew up in church, and I, I went to church all the time, and I did good things, and I didn't, didn't disrespect my parents. I, 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 all the lists we can name, those are all good things, but that's not what gets us in position for grace. Our sin gets us in position for grace. You understand? It's not the things I've done good. I always laugh when I talk to people and I don't know them and I meet them for the first time and eventually I tell them I'm a pastor. It's amazing. They want to give me a moral resume of their life. 
Now, I've been watching them already, okay? <laughs> and so every once in a while I say, I'm a pastor. They go, oh, man. I, I was playing golf with a guy on vacation down in, in uh, St. Augustine. And uh, we were having a, we, I, I didn't know the guy. I showed up by myself. I like to do that sometimes because I get paired up with people. And that's cool because I get to talk to him eventually. And so we're teeing off, and he's a serious golfer, and so I think I better play serious. And we're doing pretty good. I'm actually playing. God's helped me play really good. And, and, uh, and so I'm kind of with him. He's got me by a stroke at the turn of nine holes. He's beaten by a stroke, and I'm talking like I'm like I had a 30, 38, and he had a 37. So it was a good day. He's a good golfer. And so he tees up as a par three with the water between us and the green. And he asked me, the worst question you can ask when you're playing golf. What do you do for a living? Now, he's been uh, amazingly colorful for nine holes. And uh, my bet was he probably don't go to church at all, okay? Anyway, I said, and Charlene was with me. She was around the garden. I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And I shared a couple of things. No lie. This guy who played impeccable golf put three golf balls in the water. <laughs> it blew his mind. His next drive on a par four, he hit in the woods. I'm talking about 50 yards in the woods. And when he tried to come out, he hit the golf cart that Charlene was sitting in. <laughs> the man just blew his mind. And then he would try to recapture and say, you know, let me tell you, I... I and, you know, now he's trying to appeal to me, like, hey, man, that's great. No, no, no. I'm going to give you the moral resume. You know, I don't do this. I don't do that. No, 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 no. no. Man, we're all sinners. Understand it. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm the worst there is. Because I didn't seek God first. None of us do. He seeks me out. He deals me whether it's as a child or a teenager or an adult or a senior adult. He makes the first move. Now, all right, let me go on. Man. The second thing, every believer is a messenger of grace offering hope to everyone. If you realize you're a miracle of grace, you ought to be excited about that, really. I mean, we kind of think the person who's axe murder got saved has a great testimony. Can I tell you, everybody has a great testimony. Because you were dead in sin. On your way to a place called hell. And all of a sudden, God intervened with his grace and mercy and changed your direction. Changed your destiny. That's a miracle. You couldn't do that. He had to do that. And so when he's doing that, <coughs> he, excuse me, he goes, all right. Now, every believer gets to be a messenger of grace offering hope to everyone. That's our responsibility now. You understand? Because I've received a miracle. Let me be a part of someone else having a miracle. Doesn't that make sense to you? Shake your head. Does that make sense to you? All right. Okay. First Timothy, verse 16 says this. But God. Now here's how. He came, Christ came to save sinners, all sinners, because we're all sinners. He came to touch everyone, change everyone, if they would be willing. And then and I was the worst of them. I was the worst you could possibly be. I was as far from God as you could possibly be. But God, I love it, but God had mercy on me. The only reason any of us have a relationship with Christ is that sentence right there. That's it. 
That's it. But God had mercy on me. Not that I went to church. Not that I was a very good Baptist. Had a preacher friend of mine who was uh, of another denomination. We're good friends. We played softball together back when I was very young. And uh, he loved, he was very competitive, loved to win. And so we, we had a good time. But he, uh, he was, uh, I, I said, brother, how's your day going? And going good. And I was talking about something. I was talking about Christians. And he said, Tim, I got to tell you. I, I said, how's it going? He said, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a neighborhood when I ask people, are they Christians? I said, no, I'm Baptist. Hey, denomination is not the deal, guys. I understand that. It's not the deal. I mean, it's okay to wear Baptist. I like being Baptist, but I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm Baptist. And neither are you. Or, or Catholic or, any, or Presbyterian or Episcopalian. or Pick any, any flavor you want to pick. It doesn't matter. But God had mercies while we had the opportunity to go to heaven. God had mercy on me personally, individually. Intentionally. I love what Paul said. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Now you gotta catch this sentence because this is the this is the bottom line of what we're supposed to be about. I've received a miracle of grace, it's changed my life. Now I become an example of that grace that others may experience the same miracle. You see, God had mercy on me so that Christ could use me as a prime example, as a picture of what he can do in someone's life. Puts me on display. To do what? To show his great, inexhaustible patience. Paul began to realize, God, how could you be so patient with me? Man, that's awful. But you were patient with me. And now I can tell people you'll be patient with them because you desire that all would be saved. So you, you give people opportunity upon opportunity and grace upon grace. And so even with the worst of sinners, the guy who says, there's no way God could care about me. There's no way God's going to give me an opportunity. Yes, he will because he's gracious. He's extremely patient. He's willing that all should come to him and that none should perish. So he gives the invitation And then he says, but you've let me be an example of your patience and your mercy and your grace. And so I become a messenger through my story of what it means to have your sins forgiven and have your emptiness filled with the presence of God, to have a new birth with a different ending. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You know, most people that I talk to think they really can't come to Christ because they're so bad. Had a guy, I was with some people, and, and uh, he basically kind of said to me, look, I know you're a preacher and all that, but I want to tell you, I'm not a religious guy at all. And I said, that's great. And he looked at me real bewildered. What? That's great, man. You're close to coming to know Jesus. Because religion doesn't work. You don't need to be religious. Uh, We tell our story starting with, you know, I was really a sinner. Man, I separated from God. I, 
I didn't know God. God went in my life. I didn't desire God. I didn't love God. I, I knew about God. Maybe raised in church. All that's good, but that still didn't save me. Then the, the miracle of grace took place in my life, and I give by faith I entered this relationship. I had a new birth experience, and, and it's changed my life. And therefore, I can tell you that if he changed my life, he can change your life. If he loves me, he loves you. If he cares about me, he cares about you. And if, if he desires that I would be saved, he desires that you would be saved. You see, there's no one outside the grace of God unless they choose to be. Even as grace operates, they just don't experience it personally in the life-changing experience. So then others will realize, too, they can believe in him. They can make a decision to believe who he is and what he's done on the cross. If I can have mercy, anyone can receive mercy. Just that simple. Don't forget where you came from. So you share your story. You share your story. I would like to take, I want you to pray about it. Next Sunday I'm going to ask you if you want to learn how to share your story. Part of faith is we're going to hope if you want to be a, learn how to share your story and tell someone how they can know Christ. I'll be spending 30 minutes for about six weeks, just 30 minutes, six weeks, to tell you how to teach how to do that, whether you want to be a part of faith team or just everyday life. I just want to help you do that. How you can share your story. How you can share your miracle. Be praying about it. How would you like to do it in three to four minutes? I can teach you that. And we can put you with, we can, and I mean, we'll have a ball. I promise you'll be great. You'll love it. We're going to do that. Hope you'll decide to do that. Just to share your story. Because that's why we're here, to share our story. To be examples for someone to see, maybe in our family, with our friends, our neighbor, the coworker, man, the person we meet on the street, they just need to see the illustration of God's grace and patience in us. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that Jesus met intentionally on purpose. After he told her all about her life and it was miserable, sinful life. She was awful. Nobody liked her. She was by herself. The women didn't know. I mean, nobody wanted to hang with her. Nobody wanted to be seen with her. Nobody wanted to talk to her. Even the guy she was with didn't want to marry her. All right? So, and evidently, the guys before couldn't live with her. So, listen, you know, I, she was bad. But Jesus said, I, I want to do a miracle in your life. I, I want to make the first move to tell you how you can come know me and have an experience of grace in your life and really experience living water. You'll never thirst again. I'll fill the void in your life. You've been trying to fill with relationships and all this kind of stuff. And so, she's so excited that she's heard something that's touched her life. And she's experienced the grace of God. It began with him, not with her. And you know what? She can't contain herself. She goes back to her village and says, you've got to come see a man. You've got to come see a man who knew everything I've ever done wrong. And he loves me. You've got to come see this guy. 
because he did a miracle in my life. And you got to come seeing. You got to come hearing. You got to come give him a chance. God moves us from the worst we are to the best we can be in Jesus. That's our story. That's our story. What's your story? Have you had that transition in your life? That transformation? Are you still holding out on being a good Baptist or a good person? Thinking that's going to work for you. It ain't going to work for you. Think that one day, maybe that'll happen. Well, there's no better day than today. Man, we're not promised tomorrow. Man, Jesus could come. Rapture could take place. I mean, you know, today's the day. 